Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking, where I'll be talking with licensed social worker and licensed professional clinical counselor Daniel Horn and licensed professional counselor Laura Skarnecchia about mental health among mostly college students. This episode is sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. I would like to welcome Daniel Horn and Laura Skarnecchia to the show. They're both from Hopewell, a therapeutic community located on a 300-acre farm in Mesopotamia, Ohio, where adults ages 18 and older who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depression, and other forms of mental illness can receive help. Daniel Horn, as a licensed social worker and licensed professional clinical counselor, Daniel views treatment with a holistic approach. He was immediately drawn to the healing power of the Hopewell environment and program. Daniel's responsibilities as clinical director include overseeing admissions and intake, supervision of the clinical team, supervising counseling teams, overseeing all clinical aspects of the Hopewell program, and serving on the marketing program and committees of the board of directors. Daniel also maintains a caseload of residents and provides individual and group counseling services to residents. From working in a pre-release prison program in Montana to long-term residential treatment programs in Maine to providing individual, family, and group counseling in Ohio, Daniel's experience brings a well-rounded perspective to his work at Hopewell. So welcome, Daniel. There's a lot there, which is great. And then we also want to welcome Laura Skarnecchia. Healing happens at Hopewell, and Laura is grateful to be part of each resident's journey toward recovery. The serenity of the farm and the power of the community impressed Laura when, while completing her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from Kent State University, she first arrived at Hopewell as an intern. After finishing her graduate studies and obtaining state licensure, Laura was pleased to join the staff as a clinician. As a licensed professional counselor, Laura provides individual counseling and facilitates therapeutic groups. She believes in working with both residents and their families to cooperatively and creatively nurture personal change in a holistic manner that respects the dignity and value of each person. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you so much. Um, impressive bios and super interesting. Just hope I'll, you know, as a side note, before we kind of get into our main topic, I was looking, um, you know, I didn't really know much about it, and it seems like a really, really special place. Can you tell us a little bit about Hopewell? It's an astounding place. But... It is, yes. Um, so we are a 300-acre fully functional operating farm, and our mission really is to help adults with mental illness learn more about their illness, learn more about their treatment options, establish stability, and create a plan for the future to discharge from Hopewell with increased stability and increased ability to function independently, whatever that would look like for each individual. So on the farm, we have a longer-term residential program. A lot of our residents have been in and out of hospitalizations, shorter-term stays in other residential programs, and they're really seeking a longer-term stay in a therapeutic community where they can become part of a community. They can learn from each other. They can have supportive peer relationships, and they can really engage in some long-term therapeutic change. And we do that through offering access to 
both therapeutic services, things like individual therapy, individual case management, and psychiatric care and medication management, but also access to meaningful work. And that's really one of the things that sets us apart, that the individuals who come to Hopewell engage in meaningful work by contributing to the farm community, whether that's working on the farm, working in the kitchen, or on our housekeeping crew. We have a lot of different opportunities for work, but we want to build that consistent, structured daily engagement, both therapeutically and in a therapeutic work setting. It really sounds and looks like a really just special and unique place. So um, really, really cool. I think everyone mm-hmm. should kind of at least check it out and know um, that it's there, you know, as an option. It's a really neat thing that you guys are doing. So, um, you know, I really want to talk to you guys. It seems like today um, our school, like kind of backwards, going backwards a little bit, maybe to like high school, even in elementary, the school psychologists, the school counselors just seem to be totally overloaded and just like inundated. And I think that we obviously have more cases of these kind of things. And maybe it's also a combination of that, that we're more aware of it. You know, we have a name with some of the things we're able to provide help, you know, than we were in the past. And those are good things. But um, it just seems like you know, there's just a lot of kind of these, you know, issues, mental illnesses among, you know, getting younger and younger. But we've also, what I've also noticed um, is that a lot of kids that maybe appear to be, you know, okay, for lack of a better word, you know, in high school, and then they go off to college, and then they're not. And I I mean, so is that, am I right that it's, um, that there's more of that? Or are we just noticing it more? Or... I think it's a really healthy combination of both of those, that for decades we've talked about the stigma of mental health keeping people from seeking treatment. There's clear research that that, that stigma is going down, and there, the, and so some of that increase in what looks like an increase in in episodes of mental illness is explained by there's, there's more uh, acceptance of seeking help and, and uh, finding uh, – uh, assistance in managing that. Um, certainly, when they, when when these kids get get through high school, they're in they're in a much smaller pond, if you if you will, and and they have parents near them and they have friends near them, and they show up on a college campus where mom and dad are gone. Uh, they probably don't know anybody, or maybe one kid from an older class. They know they're, they're on a they're in a whole new environment. Uh, they don't have any of those natural supports that maybe propped them up and got them through those high school years. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, is it is it that they maybe had the tendencies to have these? It's just that because you said, like you said, they were surrounded and and they had all this this help and support that it didn't really show up maybe sure. as much. But there, now they're on their own. There's a component of that. There's also a component of particularly the diagnosis. Several of the diagnoses that we primarily see at Hopewell, those typically the onset is. 17, 18, 19, 20, okay. 21. So often per- a person who, who eventually manifests with uh, the diagnosis of schizophrenia, perfectly normal childhood. So they, there is not research that shows any significant th- bellwethers that would say, oh, that, that we got to watch out for that. Uh, there are some genetic components and there's those kind of things, but it often the onset and then you add the increased stressors, uh, maybe the beginning of in- increased substance use, uh, uh, the stresses of academic pressure at school really can sort of help trigger that latent sort of underlying uh, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I'm also the director of admissions at Hopewell, so I am the first person many families speak to when they call to inquire about our services. And 
the majority of phone calls I take are young people, early college, 20s to 30s. Or they're calling on their own, like for themselves? And the families are calling on their behalf because perhaps they've been in college and they've gone home after not being able to complete their college coursework or they're struggling in college. And there seems to be, like Daniel said, of course some of those disorders arise during those years, but at the same time we see a lot of young people who have been in college and in, or excuse me, in high school and in middle school who have had support, who have had teachers, tutors, parents who are rallying around them and helping them almost in a dependency situation, move through those milestones of development. And then in those early or those late teenage years, they're 19, 18, 19, they're going off into independence and they don't seem fully equipped to balance that newfound independence with also managing their physical health, their emotional health, their social health, managing that balance between independence and also the increased responsibility. And we see a lot of individuals who that then spirals into anxiety or depression or mood disorders. So it really is also equipping young people with the skills to live independently in college without falling apart once they no longer have that safety net of parents and teachers. Right. So like we said, like a lot of kids, and I've noticed that too, like you said, they're, they're coming home, they're leaving because they can't handle it for whatever reason. So what are some ways that we, as, as parents, that we can equip them, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, to be able to handle it. And I know every situation is different and mm-hmm. every, you know, it depends on a, a lot of different factors, but mm-hmm. what are some things that parents can do? So it's like, Hey, this is, they have a better chance of right, being able right. to handle it. Well, we help a lot of families during the discharge process. A big part of our mission is helping set the groundwork for what life after living in the Hopewell community for four or six months is going to look like. And a big part of that, it would be a similar process, I would think, for parents who are helping their children transition into college. Striking that balance between enabling, so to speak, and dependency with helping them get skills to become independent. I would say that at the end of high school, really working towards helping your child find supports at college so that they know how to access college mental health services, college wellness services, things like the wellness center, working out, study help, tutoring. Uh, Also helping kids understand the academic advising process so they don't feel like they've been pushed out into independence without any sort of support or foundation around them. So getting young students involved in academic advising, which sometimes falls by the wayside. So making sure when they go into college that they have a plan for support. And then balancing that out with, of course, parents don't want to be overly involved or enmeshed oh, with their young person. a lot of them do. Yeah, oh, yeah that's true. <laughs> and and it's certainly in high school, that seems to set the stage for some of this dependency. So, you know, it's Part of it, part of our task is helping parents understand what they have to do. And it can be emotionally overwhelming for them, but part of the task is for them to break away as well. Right. Uh, That's hard for a parent. But that's your, if you have a child who can do that, you've succeeded. Yeah. Precisely. It is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you want them. And like I said this on another episode, like we get something from that if they need us. We get, you Absolutely. know, like the parent gets that little high from that or oh, whatever yes, you, yes. whatever uh-huh. word you would use for that. So, <laughs> so it's hard to, you know, when you see them doing, uh, doing things on their own, which mm-hmm. is the goal, mm-hmm. it can be hard for many parents because then they also mm-hmm. think like, well, they don't need me anymore. And they right, do just right. in different ways. Exactly. And also helping parents start to understand that they don't need to rescue their children, that at some point 
we are all permitted to fail. And that is part of our right as humans to understand we learn through our mistakes. And so helping parents understand that they don't have to step in, they don't have to rescue, that they can set boundaries, that they could tell their child, oh, if you are going to come back and live at home, we expect you to contribute to the household chores. Perhaps we expect you to pay rent, that there are going to be boundaries and expectations and that parents need to stay true to that plan, uh, whatever that would look like in terms of consequences. And the same with going to college. A parent doesn't need to call a professor or attend every class, but having <laughs> some kind of check-in with the student. So and it's particularly in that first semester, I would say. Yeah, it's so, a big adjustment. Precisely. And, and having some idea of how is my how is the student doing? What are their midterm grades? It, when do I need to start helping them seek support, not being the support? I think another way of looking at it is, particularly when you have very help, supportive parents, is, is helping them focus that support in more subtle ways. Mm. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with a 14-year-old, you, you probably need to be pretty direct, either with the 14-year-old or the 14-year-old's teacher or the 14-year-old guidance counselor. By the time they're 16, 17, 18, 19, they, it's learning to be more subtle in that support, but making sure that that subtlety is not lost on the kid, mm -hmm. that the kid knows it's still there uh, and that they can go to the parent or that they can seek advice and that they're seeking advice and guidance, not come and get me, come save me, okay, call my just, professor. Yeah, advice and guidance. I like that mm -hmm. and support, but not rescue. You know, mm -hmm. obviously there would be certain extreme cases where Absolutely. you would need to do that. You that's go not in what and we're talking get about. Get them and bring them home and exactly. get them into a hospital. And or, that's exactly, yep. and that's appropriate and that's not what we're talking about, right, but for everything Absolutely. else. And I like, you know, one thing that you said, um, is is that you know have a a plan for support in college like let them know like here are the things available to you and here's how here here would be the way to access them and mm -hmm. i think it's important too to let them know there's nothing wrong with using the, that support. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. doesn't mean, you know, you have a, a, something wrong. It doesn't mean you're Absolutely. not smart. It doesn't mean, you know, mm -hmm. all those kind of things. If you seek academic or, you know, a mental health, health, whatever it is in college, but like it's, you know, I, I always say like, we all should be in some sort of, <laughs> you know, every single person, you know, we should probably be yeah. in some mm -hmm. sort of, you know, having some sort of help like that. If we were truly honest, um, you know, we could all find something. But just to let them know, and I, I hope that the stigma is, you know, getting better. There, there's clear research yeah. about that. And yeah. this seeking out of help is, is critical. And, and almost every campus now has it. Yes. The larger the school, the more important it is. It, 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 it's a sort of an odd a dichotomy, but... The larger the school, the easier it is to get isolated and feel lonely. You know, if you're on a campus of 60,000, um, it, it's really hard to make connections. You have to find small communities within that larger, you know, OSU, Michigan, those kind of schools. you got to find small communities. If you're on a little tiny campus like Oberlin, you know, that, that, that it, it is already a community. So it's important to find those communities. Communities is what gives us all the, the support that, that people thrive on. Yeah, we know we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor. We're going to come back, continue this conversation. I want to ask you when we come back from the break, maybe some warning signs that parents can look for when their kids are um, away at college, that maybe something's going on sure. that they're not, you know, expected. So we'll be right back. For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, 
supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. Discover the many ways we are reimagining school at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. All right, and thank you for listening. We are back and we're talking with um, Daniel and Laura about um, from Hopewell about, you know, specifically college age kids. We can trickle down to, you know, younger, but um, maybe when they need some help, you know, they're experiencing some things, maybe some mental health type issues at college that maybe parents were or were not aware of before they left. And maybe it's it's gotten worse or just kind of come up as we've talked about for different reasons. And so we talked a little bit about you gave us some good advice, maybe what parents can do or not do, you know, to prepare them and help them support them. What are some warning signs like your kids off at college let's say so now you you're maybe not seeing them you know as face to face if they're not local and so you're just your communication is you know through phone or text and all that but you're you're kind of maybe sensing that something maybe isn't right sure well it certainly can be difficult because your child is far away right. to really get a clear understanding of what is going on and i think that's a difficulty for a lot of parents because things can seem like they are going well So going back to what I said about kind of balancing out being enmeshed in their lives with having some check-ins to see how things are going, particularly during that first semester. I, I talked to a lot of parents and around the Thanksgiving break point when students come home, that is maybe when they've had their first or second visit and they can start to get a feeling for how things are going. Uh... It's important to note that the college environment is is really one without a lot of built-in regulation in terms of sleeping, in terms of eating. Right. Uh, No one's saying go to bed late, turn your lights out, turn your phone off, all these kinds of things. uh, And so sometimes it's during those first initial visits or those phone calls where parents might get a sense that, you know, it is is my child sleeping regularly? Is he or she attending to her nutrition? Are they calling me because they're having financial difficulties? Are they managing their money? Um, uh, most of the most of the people I work with, I would say, are relatively close to their parents mm-hmm. and stay in contact. So there isn't this abyss between college and home. So parents are in pretty frequent contact and they can often intuit that something isn't quite right. Maybe their child is expressing, I'm having a lot of anxiety. I'm not doing well in my classes. I'm isolated. I'm having difficulty making friends. And also, I think a parent is charged with understanding that there's also a normalcy to that. So what is the normal orientation? I'm getting acclimated to college versus things are really not going well. I'm kind of spinning my wheels or, or losing control. So starting to check in, I think asking, managing some of those initial phone calls with some basic questions. How are you sleeping? What have you been eating? And it doesn't have to feel like a psychiatric assessment right, right. on the parents' <laughs> part. But if the parents have some idea of some of the hindrances to health that college naturally presents, they can tailor some of those phone calls to getting some basic information about how their child is functioning on some of those base levels of physical wellness and then moving up into the mental health and having some early intervention saying, well, if you're having difficulty with some of your classes, again, going back to the supports, what supports are there? And then, of course, we also get into maybe more difficult for a parent to uh, investigate 
the reality of substance use and drinking on campus. So um, it seems that more and more students are not necessarily drinking for entertainment, but also drinking to escape some of those difficulties or using substances to escape those feelings of anxiety and pressure. So to whatever ability a parent can kind of suss out what is the substance use going on, that's something to also be aware of too, because that can cause a lot of fallout. Definitely. In terms of sp- specific things that they can look for, mm-hmm. you know, the, Laura hinted at some of them. The, if, if, if they're through those subtle explorations with them, getting getting them to open up and share with them, if they're isolating more, that if, if they were a really social kid in high school and now all of a sudden it's really starting to feel like they haven't made any connections and they're isolating. Substance abuse, they're, they're out drinking regularly. Um, that money management thing can often be a, a, a sign that, oh, well, what are you spending that money on? And, and that can turn out, you know, eventually turn out they're drinking every night or they've bought a bunch of uh, pills or marijuana or whatever it is um the 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 other side can be what the symptoms of psychosis and mania you know mania can be you know they suddenly they they see the credit card bill and there's five thousand dollars on there and they went shopping for clothes and that's not the kind of kid they are um uh they they get reports from friends that that their roommate calls and says i'm really concerned about my roommate uh that we we that happens a lot parents parents get a lot of sort of initial tip-offs from people in the dorm that or the or the ra saying you know there's something wrong their hygiene their hygiene drops off completely um those kind of things can be real sort of bellwether triggers that something is 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 a mess. Something's not right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, so I think and just obviously listening, paying attention Listen. to your gut and those kind of things like yeah. doesn't mean you have to, you know, swoop in and pack them up right right then necessarily, but just like you said investigate, yep. do some further investigating and mm-hmm. and just be in tune that something might maybe off or maybe starting down that path and try to catch it. And it's a fine line. I talked about that, that trying to do that subtly, but that those those questions, some of those questions need to be pointed uh, without being prying, without looking like you, I don't need to hear your private sex life with your girlfriend. I do, I do want to know, are, do you, are you hanging out with people? What, what, how are you spending your time? Are you studying? Are you showing up to class? Are you struggling in classes? You know, very specific questions about, you know, the kinds of things that they're doing while away. Um, because those, those things you see, they know at home, they know where they were at track practice and they got home and, you know, they hung out for a little while and they were up in their room studying and then the friend came and picked them up. They know all that. They don't know any of that when they're away at school. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they don't, I would guess if they don't want to answer those questions or talk about them, then there would be a reason yeah, <laughs> for and, that. Right. Oftentimes. And, and maybe. So, yeah. And, and that's the struggle too. I mean, it is that kid's job it, developmentally to break away from their parents yeah. and it's the parents job developmentally to let them do that so whether it is that resistance is just bomb i don't need you checking up yeah. on me i'm fine or is it i need you to check up off me because i'm doing stuff i know yeah, is I probably not know. okay <laughs> I, it's, it's very subtle you know i don't think there's even anything wrong with if it, this is where it's the judgment of parents and parents may overreact you know they don't need to swoop in and rescue right away but it can't hurt to say you know i was thinking of driving up and having lunch with you mm-hmm. I, you know i'm not going to you know, pull you out of school and take you home and and take you to an assessment at the psychiatric facility. But let I'm just going to stop in. I'm just going <laughs> right. to stop in yeah. and have lunch. Lay eyes on you. See right. see what's see yeah. what's going on. That's a really good idea. Yeah, that's a good point. Just to right, if you feel like something is just that it's casual, you don't even have to say like I think something's wrong, no. so I'm coming to have lunch. Absolutely, I miss you, and so just do it's me. It's a way of showing that your mom or your dad or exactly. whatever, and just you know spend an hour with me for it's lunch. It's a way of so- showing that subtle support. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're always here. Good. 
good point. Yep. Right. And then maybe some conversation will, will come from that. Is there, are there any things like signs or ways to tell or whatever, you know, if you feel like, is your child ready to go off to college? Should they wait? Should they stay local? I mean, maybe they're like, you know, genius and they have, they're doing so awesome in school and their, their grades and their test scores and they're involved in all these extra, they seem, you know, quote unquote, seem ready, but are there some things to look for that like, Maybe they're really not. Mm-hmm. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because in our society, it is as if grades 1 through 12 are leading up to this moment where the success is going to college. And there's this assumption that when you receive that high school diploma, that is assurance that you are academically, physically, emotionally ready to go to the next stage of right. independence. And what will the neighbors say if you don't? <laughs> exactly, too. Yes. So there's this huge societal pressure to go to school. And as we're talking about parents finding ways to nurture and support and learn about how their student is functioning, it also brought to my mind the reality that along with that stigma of mental health that you know is decreasing, thankfully, we also need to change how we view the college experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do see that shifting culturally, that this assumption that we are all going to go to college and graduate in four years and move into adulthood swiftly and easily, that is just such a tall tale of our society. So As we're preparing students to go to college, I would also like to see the conversation open up to how do we give students more support in high school? Many of the young people at Hopewell, for example, are bewildered by the basic tasks and tenets of adulthood. How do I pay a bill? How do I lease an apartment? How do I fill a prescription? How do I manage health insurance? So we have actually created a curriculum to help people learn some of those tasks but many people have not received that those lessons wash in their laundry wash their laundry yeah, these are Basic. great yeah. things right and we're, we're like people i think get worried about like you know well they're an ap trig or how do we write the five paragraph essay exactly. and da, 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 which are, are all you know mm-hmm. good things but then you're saying like yeah that's great and they scored you know five bazillion on their sat but they don't know how to do those kind of things mm-hmm. that a lot of times we just parents and schools and things that you just don't think about yeah, it. Maybe you think the they wayside. just would know it or how would they mm-hmm. not know it? You know, that kind of thing. I like part of your question. You hinted like, should they stay closer just because they were in all the AP classes and stuff? They're in a position now. Most people, for the most part, don't have a whole lot of choice where they go to high school. Mm-hmm. They, they typically go to the, right, the where high school live. where they mm-hmm. all go um, or the other one in town. Um, here they're suddenly faced with a whole bunch of choices and people typically only look at the academic side. What, I want to go to this school because they've got this program that's going to make me become that. Um, and they, they should be looking at a much wider breadth of stuff. What kinds of social, what is the social culture of that school like? Mm-hmm. What, is the, what kind of supports do they do? Like I said, most schools now have supports. Some are far better than others. Mm-hmm. Some have much right. better students uh, with disability centers on them and can and help a student who who's already comes in with a disability, whether it's a, a mental or some other physical disability. And, and those... Th- researching those and finding those schools uh, that, that will fit your kid. Figure out, you know, have have the kid understand that, yeah, I, I want to get into that academic program to become what I want to become, but it's going to help me do that much more effectively if I find the right school that has the other things that I need. Yeah, mm-hmm. good point. Or just because maybe that's like the school that... You know what I mean? Or yeah. every, or all, you know, this is where I've heard I should go or other kids go here from sure. my school or right. it, it's looked, 
you know, upon better, you know, so, yeah. so to speak. So you're right though, but maybe it's not the best place for you and you have to get over. And, and it is hard. Cause I mean, that is, that's the first question and it's not a bad question. It's normal. Like if you have a graduating senior, where are they going to college? Yep. Where are they going to come? That's the first question you're, a parent would be yeah. asked. Mm-hmm. I would, I would assume I don't have one almost, but not yet, you know? And, <laughs> yep. and so, and that's a normal question. I've asked that question on my friends, you know, where they're going to, or what are they going to do? But then it's like, I think you, there's this pressure too, as a parent, like I have to have an answer and it has to be a, has good, to be one. a good one. Right, right. <laughs> it has to be a really mm-hmm. good one. Or yep. I'm going to look like I'm not, you know, or people are going to go, Oh, that's oh, nice. That's and then, nice. Oh, Oh, poor Jane. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yep. Her kid's yes, a loser, yes. you know, even mm-hmm. though they're not, or, they're or, not. you know what I mean? I've heard, or, or I heard somebody say like, well, they're only going to go to community college or whatever. It's like, well, don't say only. That's right. okay. That's best for them right now. It's fine. Right, and, right. and in the long run, long-term success rarely is determined by the, you know, the top level school versus yeah. there are people who, who succeed in fields who went to community college in that field and they, but, but that was better for them. Right. And people who failed and never got into the field who stressed out and, and, burned out by going to that high pressure school. Right. They went to a top school and didn't, they couldn't, happens all the time. wasn't the good, a best fit for them. Right. So you have to find what's the, what is the best fit for you? Every kid in person, every kid's different and education is not a one size fits all. And so you have to try to, like you said, I like that you just look and see what's going to be the best fit for your child. Mm -hmm. And what about, um, like, what if it's, what if you feel like it's not the best fit and, and you switch, switch colleges? Like that's, that's okay, right? If Absolutely. You, oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and far more common. Yeah. And, 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 you know, figuring that out sooner than yeah. later is better. I thought I um, wanted to be across country, but maybe yep. that's not the best for me, so I'm going to come back, you know, a little closer or something mm-hmm. like that, you Absolutely. know, if you feel or opposite. It doesn't mean you're, you know, this, you know, failure to launch mama's boy or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you come, you know, you're an hour away instead of, you know, 10 hours away. Absolutely. There are a lot of reasons, a lot of things that go into that. Yep. We put so much pressure on college students and to the point of the parental expectations, but also parents' expectations of each other. You know, I encourage parents to look inward to say, is this my dream or is this my child's dream? Am I working towards my own end or my own status or how I feel about myself versus really attending to my child's highest and best interest and really coming to a place of insight about your desires as a parent versus your child's needs if we were all expected at age 19 to choose a career and then never leave that career yep. and moving or changing was viewed as a failure that would be a very difficult and rigid world to live in so to expect that of a 19 year old who is making a choice with very little information really at the end of 12 years of being a child you know to also open up to the possibility that 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 choice may not be the best one and to be flexible and supportive. Yeah. Yeah. My, my oldest daughter, she's, she's almost 16. She's finishing her sophomore year. And, and again, this isn't like a, a bad question and people just, it's just trying to get conversations. So anyone right. that has asked it, I don't think, you know, they're weird or anything, but you know, she's been asked many times and I've been with her sometimes not like, Oh, well, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? What's your major going to be? What? And I'm like, she doesn't have her license yet. You know what I mean? And so at at first she was a little stressed about it. You know, she said to me, I don't even know what I want to do. And I go, that's good. Yeah. That's great because you don't need to. But the mere fact that everybody's asking tells the kid, well, I probably, I must, I'm supposed to know. That's right. And that's what she thought. So now I've been with her lately and when she's been asked and she'll just say like, I have no idea yet. And I'm like, just, you can say that with confidence because that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You'll, there are careers that you don't even know about yet, you know, and there'll be new ones that we don't 
don't even know about it. And you, there'll be different things that you so and people change their majors. And if someone does know, that's great. I know people that they've known since they were, you know, five and they end up doing that. And that's great. But if you don't, it's OK. It's that's just an, these pressures. That's another really good thing to take into consideration when you're evaluating the school. What what kinds of breadth of opportunities are there? You know, I, I, I went to school. I changed my major three times. I started as a forestry major and ended up as a social ma- social work major. <laughs> you know, they were vastly different. Um, right. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. Most people don't. Going to a school that has some breadth of opportunity is is that's pretty important point. for somebody, Not like it's especially only for if somebody has mm-hmm. no idea. Yeah. If somebody's been sailing through school and they're a math whiz and they know that that's what they want to do, that's that's different. But uh, the vast majority, I think, probably are like, I don't know. Right. Right. I think that's a great point. And we talked before about kids maybe having to take a leave, get some help if they do have some of these kind of mental health issues and, you know, not to feel, I think it would be, I mean, obviously, obviously it'd be worse if you didn't, you know, so if they have to do that, it's okay. And you don't have to tell everybody, you know, just they're home for right now. It's really no one's business. And, and obviously the goal would be hopefully that they're able to get that help, you know, from a place like Hopewell or whatever the support is. outpatient, And then, move back, you know, move back into that if the, if that's their goal. Yep. Um, so I think that's something, you know, important to remember that it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. That's, that's a, that's a good thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're doing instead of not getting help yep. if you need it. Well, I think yeah. people feel pressured to move forward and, you know, looking back, you know, at, you know, 18, 19, 20, they're, they're kids. They're, they, they have a lot of time to figure this out. If they haven't figured it out by the time they're 30, that's still fine. People are still figuring stuff out. But I think when you're 18, the message has been figure it out, find out what you want to do, and then get on that path and make it happen. Um, and giving some flexibility to them and support is important. That's right. And, and as a parent, be supportive that even if that is your plan and their plan at the time, if that changes... Be, be aware that that may change. Absolutely. You know, they may go and or they may have some issues that they didn't. You know, they may struggle with certain things and be there and be supportive, be flexible, mm-hmm. make sure that it's not just your plan, you know, all those kind of things so that the child knows, that the college student knows that they're still going to be supported even if they want to kind of change paths or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be or if they need help in certain areas yeah. they're feeling. Because it's a lot. It's a big – I mean – you know, if you do go off, you know, kind of traditionally go off and do that, you know, college path away. I mean, it's, you know, I try to look back and I, I remember um, and I loved college, like every minute of it. But I, we also remember things too, how we want to remember them sometimes. <laughs> sure, you know what I mean? True. So I try to think like, well, wait a minute. Were there times? Were but there difficult times? I, I had a very great college experience. I'm very fortunate for that. But but it is it's it can be lonely. It can be stressful. Like you said, all of these things that you should like that you need to know how to do that you don't, you know? And I mean, I remember like getting a checking account and I was only concerned about the style of check. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, yes. I remember this. Like, yes. I was like, I took so long to pick out what that check was going to be, like the cool design. But I had no idea of, like, really how to manage it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, looking back, I'm like, yeah, I needed – I was not prepared sure. in some areas. Right. <laughs> I, I also think that the college education is going to be a valuable thing for the foreseeable future. Yes. But I also think that's changing. And we're on the cusp of, you know, very academ- academically gifted people can succeed in the world without a college education. There are other paths to success um, and, and, and combinations of, of how people get educated, what, what education they get, what online kind of ed- mm-hmm. education they get. And I think that's just going to rapidly increase. It, it is. I agree. Um, and so the f- swooping off and getting a four-year degree, it, it, 
it will it, it open up doors and provide opportunities to people, but it's it's not the only path. It's not for everybody, and there are a lot of trades and a lot of things like that that, right, it's not for everybody, so yep. it it's okay. It doesn't mean you fail as a parent. It means that's right. not the best path for your child sure. at that time and that they're going to be successful yeah. in there a different way. There are entrepreneurship way. programs, all, all kinds of things that where people can ex- enjoy incredible success. Definitely. I, I really enjoyed having you both here. I think it's a great, a great topic and something just to be aware of, especially, you know, as you know, your kids are graduating, they're thinking about these things, just you, you gave some great um, practical tips for parents, things to think about. And so I really appreciate you both being here. I think you're doing a great thing. I think Hopewell looks like an amazing place. So if um, someone wants to contact you or find out more about Hopewell or anything, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I would, of course, direct you to our website. You can learn more at www.hopewellcommunity.org. You'll find a lot of great information, videos, pictures, information about our services. Also, my contact information is on that website. 440-426-2009 is my direct phone number. So if any questions arise or if anyone wants more information about Hopewell, very welcome to give me a call. I'll be happy to help. Thank you. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. This episode has been sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Discover more at lawrenceschool.org. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com. 